Good morning. Today I'm going to be reading from Luke 2, verses 8 through 20, at the conclusion of which I will say, this is the word of the Lord. And I would invite you to answer prayerfully in response, speak, Lord, your servants here. And would you please stand for the reading of the scripture? And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for, I be for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Hey guys, uh, Merry Early Christmas. Hey, can we do one thing and give those kiddos another big applause? And uh, Devin, Rebecca, Truman, Lindsay, uh, if she's listening to this from Mexico, uh, thank you for all you did. Uh, that was cool. All the parents that helped uh, practice and listen to all the songs. Thank you. You are, uh, we love you. We love your kids. And it is a joy that we got to uh, hear them this morning. Uh, everybody else, welcome. It's good to see you. Can you believe it's Christmas in a couple days? Every, someone's like, oh, there's like groaning from some people. Well, it's happening. So uh, uh, yeah. Uh, hey, this morning, all I want to do is I just want to share with you a uh, really brief message with you and uh, uh, talk about some things that we can learn and hopefully uh, challenge us as we look at Christmas. Uh, is that cool with y'all? If you have your Bible, open it up to the book of Luke. And if you need a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. Uh, if you don't own one, we would love to give you one as a gift from us to you. So uh, if you don't have one, uh, grab one. Uh, we would love to uh, have you take one home. Uh, last week, we started just a two-week Advent series. Just two weeks, very quick, super simple. And basically what we talked about is how, how Advent is a season of, of remembering and celebrating that God made some promises to his people concerning his son, that, that Jesus, the rescuer, would come to save us from our sin and reconcile us to God. If you study the scriptures, there are some 300 scriptures in the Old Testament concerning this. And all of these promises began to be fulfilled when Jesus was born on that first Christmas. 
One of our takeaways last week was that God is a God who keeps his promises. So what God says, you can trust. He is a good God and you can believe and take what he says to the bank. Now today, like I said, we're going to look at a brief, uh, briefly look at a familiar text from Luke 2. And two reasons why we're doing this from this particular text. Number one, it's going to demand a response from us. And two, it's going to invite our worship. Now, let me start with this. The Christmas season can be a dangerous time. Now, I'm not talking about people going crazy. People do go crazy during Christmas. But that's not my point here. Anybody has some shopping left to do still? Okay, now it's like the Hunger Games, so may, may the odds be ever in your favor. People do go a little odd during this two, three weeks of December, and it's crazy, but I'm not necessarily talking about what's happening in the stores or out there with you know, traffic and people and all that is happening. I think the danger is in the Christmas story. We hear this story so often. We hear this story year after year after year, and I think the danger is that you and I can listen to this story, this familiar story, and it begins to lose its significance. It begins to lose the impact that it should have on our lives. Every single year, we share and hear the same stories again and again and again. We hear of you know, Mary and Joseph and Herod and the wise men and the shepherds and Jesus. And we hear the story in the same way every single year. We know the details. And if you and I are not careful, our, our familiarity with the Christmas story, I think it can cost us to overlook how incredible this story is. So before we go anywhere with the text, can I challenge us to to try to see this story again for the first time? Can we try to do that this morning? All 10 of you? Thank you. Okay, let's just begin in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, with the audience that received the announcement of Jesus' birth. Who received this announcement? To whom does God announce the birth of his son? To whom would you expect that God would announce the birth of Jesus? I think that if it was 2019, we might assume that maybe he would go to some politicians, that maybe it would go to the Hollywood elite, that maybe it would go to the top 1%, the popular, the powerful, the social media influencers, right? We would, we would assume that. We could understand if God chose to announce the birth of Jesus to King Herod, we, we could understand if God wanted to announce the birth of Jesus at a beautiful ceremony in the temple led by the high priest. But we have some trouble understanding why he would choose this motley crew band of shepherds. The announcement of the birth of the Son of God is not made to a king in a palace. It is not made to a priest in the temple. It is not made to the wealthy, to the influencers, or to the most important people in the land. But the announcement of the birth of Jesus is made to a group of shepherds. You see this in verse 8 in your text. 
And there are probably many reasons why these guys were chosen. If you survey, survey the scriptures briefly, you can see that, that God has used the imagery of shepherds from the beginning of time. The first recorded offering to God came from Abel, which the Bible describes as a keeper of sheep. Then you've got Moses, you've got David, you've got songs like Psalm 23, which describe God as a shepherd. The selection of shepherds also points us to Jesus' identity as the shepherd ruler that was prophesied and promised in the Old Testament. So it seems to me that if we are to understand the heart of God, we need to understand who and what shepherds are. And God uses shepherds for his glory, but we must not romanticize what they did or who they were. Understanding what shepherds were make, makes their transformation that much more incredible. For the most part, shepherds were the pariahs of society. They were the, the marginalized. They held the lowest social status, and they were shunned by the rich, by the famous, and especially by the religious. Shepherds were ceremonially unclean. Living among sheep meant they could not keep all the rules and all the regulations of the rabbis, of the law. Shepherds were often victims of really cruel stereotypes. People would, would wonder if the sheep that they were looking after were actually theirs, or maybe they stole some sheep from somebody in the middle of the night. They were thought of and stereotyped by many as liars, as crooks, as thieves, and untrustworthy. The honesty, the, the integrity of these people was so questionable that they were not even allowed to testify in a court of law in that time. Shepherds were outcasts from all respectable society. They were so far down on the list of social outcasts that the only people lower than them were lepers. Now, what can you learn from this so far? The first thing I would say is that in the story of the shepherds on the hillsides of Bethlehem, there is a picture of the very gospel. Who did Jesus come for? Jesus came to save sinners. These, these shepherds represent the, the outcasts and the sinners that Jesus came for. These shepherds were called by many sinners in that time. So this is a, a picture of the gospel. Jesus said in Luke chapter 5, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it is the sick. God, God does not call those who believe they have it all together, those who believe they don't need him, and those who believe that they can make it on their own by pulling by their own bootstraps. No, he calls the sick. Those who recognize how needy and how broken and how desperate they are. How many of you this very week, maybe even this very morning, experience your need for God? I can raise both hands. I, I lost my patience with my kids. I was not courageous at times this week. I was not kind to others that I encountered. I need Jesus daily. This is who he came for, those who need him, those that are broken and sick. And this is good news. It's okay, church, to not have it all together. Why? 
Because Jesus has it all together. And so we need to run to him. We need to pursue him, cling to him, embrace him, and let him transform us. Now, I also believe that God chose the shepherds because he wanted to show that his love, that his grace, that his mercy is available to all. That he is not a respecter of persons. He does not show more respect to kings than he does to those who make hourly wages. You may think, is God even aware that I exist? Anybody ever had a, a, a thought similar to that? Has God forgotten me? Has God, does he even know that I exist? What is happening to me? My circumstances? Listen, deep down, we may feel that. But no matter how insignificant you may think you are, God knows you and you are important to him. So let that be a balm to your soul this morning. Now, there's one more thing that we can learn. And there is lots that I could say about why God would choose these guys. But one more thing that I can say is that this is an example for us. This is a challenge for us to care for, to invest in, and to give ourselves for the marginalized around us. To desire their flourishing, to desire uh, good to happen to them, those in spiritual need and those with practical and physical needs, those in need of justice. May we care and invest and give ourselves for the marginalized around you. Just briefly, let me say thank you, church. This week, I spent Thursday at the high school, uh, a little down the road, and we gave out about 70 little bags of, of Christmas goodies to a class of about 70 immigrant uh, students. And I wish you were there. This little bag with a hot chocolate, a candy cane, some other Christmas things. It, it seemed like we were giving them the world. Something so simple. You should have seen their faces, their joy, how excited and thankful they were. So thank you, church, for all that you contributed last week. God is opening an opportunity for us with, with, with this partnership to love and to care for people that are considered by many as not as important. And may we embrace that opportunity and love these guys that God has uh, entrusted us with uh, in partnership with high school. So we're going to talk about that more in the new year. But this is an example why would God choose the announcement of the birth of Jesus to go to those people? It's an example for us. It's one of the things we can learn. That's where the shepherds were. They were in the fields. They were with their flock. Just another boring night with the sheep. And suddenly the sky is filled with light. The picture that I get here is, and I think you know this, you know when you're trying to wake up in the morning and that one person cranks on the light switch. And you're like, no! That's what I picture, but like times a billion. Like, like the, the sky just filled with light. 
And an angel descends from heaven, clothed with light himself, and suddenly the, the normalcy of that quiet evening was shattered. And the Bible says this in their text, that the King James Version says this, they were sore afraid. I don't know why, I just love that phrase. Sore afraid. That phrase means that they were seized with great fear and with a desire to run away. They were terrified. Now, I am not sure 100% what angels look like. I have never seen one. The Bible gives us some interesting uh, descriptions of what angels look like. But what I do know is that angels certainly do not look like the fairies we culturally think they look like. And these shepherds are, are, are a reason why I believe this. These guys were tough. These guys uh, might have been young, but they were hunters. They were hikers. They protected their flocks from all kinds of other animals that were trying to eat their sheep. But whatever they saw, these uh, strong, young shepherds, these tough dudes, these uh, hunters and hikers, these guys were so terrified that, that it kind of basically made them go fetal. Whatever they saw petrified them. Now here is the message that the angel brought from God. The angel says to these tough shepherds lying in the fetal position that he has not come to bring great fear, but great joy. Now, I've wondered why. Out, out of all the things that could have uh, been said, out of, out of the billion of phrases that God could have uh, chosen, he chose these words. He said, these good news, literally the gospel, these good news are news of great joy. The announcement they received, these news of joy, also were, were personal. The angel said to these shepherds, and to you and to me, unto you is born this day. The message from heaven is that God is interested in the individual. That God cares about you. When Jesus came into the world, he came as the savior of the world, but he also came to be your Savior. Now listen, church. I, I am filled with joy when, when I think of Jesus dying for the sins of the many. I am filled with joy when I think of people coming to encounter Jesus and find life eternal in him and life on this side of eternity. I, I love to think of the gospel message being proclaimed and Jesus saving people. I love to hear about that happening, that Jesus died for the many. But, but even though that gets me excited... What really affects my soul is when I think that he died for me because I know me. I know, I know the, the darkness in my soul. So when I, when I consider that, that what Jesus did was for me, and that does something to me. So this, this message that, that God gave to the shepherds was, was personal. Jesus, yes, he died for many, but he died for you. 
Let that again do something to your soul this morning. This announcement they received, this news of joy was also powerful. These angels speak of, of a baby, and not just any baby, but a special baby. And this baby is identified by three names. Now, the message of the birth was not so unusual. But the message of this birth was extraordinary because this child was different from every other child that had ever been or will ever be. The titles that are given to, about this baby that the angel declares are these. He is called the Savior. This baby is the one who would give his life for the sins of the people. He is the one who, ro- who was robed himself, his deity with humanity, and who came into this world to die on the cross. He is the one who came to do what all the sacrifices, what all the blood shed in the tabernacle and the temple could never do. He is the savior of all those who believe in the gospel, in Jesus. This baby is also called the Christ. This word tells us that he is the anointed one, the, the Messiah, the one who was promised from the beginning in Genesis 3.15. He is the one prefigured and shadowed in all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament. He is the one that God said would come. He is the one Jews anticipated every time they offered a sacrifice or kept a feast. He is the one for whom the world waited. And he is also called the Lord. This identifies this baby as sovereign God. This little child was the one who spoke the universe into existence. He is the one who formed man out of dust and who breathed him life into his nostrils. He is the one who controls the paths of the planets and the galaxies. He is the one who, who permits the movement of the most minute piece of dust. He is the Lord of all, yet this baby lies in Bethlehem in the person of a helpless baby. How incredible that Almighty God would humble himself in this way, that he would come as a helpless child, that we might be saved. These are news of joy. These are news of great joy. But here is the thing. You two might be experiencing or you two may have a heart filled with fear this Christmas. You may have fear about your health. You may have fear about the health of a loved one. You may have some fears about your family. You might have some fears about your job security or your future. You might have some fears about the economy. You might have some fears about the political climate, etc. You might be experiencing some fear this season. But let me remind you that we have great news of great joy. The Savior was born. The promises have been fulfilled. God keeps his promises and you can trust him. He has got this. He has got you. And not only that, but the Savior who was born is the Savior who is bringing peace. Verse 14 tells us that. He is bringing peace, meaning reconciliation with God, yes. Right relationship with God, yes. But also he's bringing peace in the deeper sense of what that word means. 
He wants our well-being. He wants our prosperity. He wants our security. He wants our soundness. He wants our completeness. He wants our flourishing. So you can trust and you can know that God is after your good. So in whatever fear, whatever is troubling your heart, remember that. God is after your good. Now, it may not look like what you expect, but he wants that for you. So fear not. Trust in him. Now, after the angel reassures these guys that they need to not be afraid, verse 13 says this, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. There was a heavenly flash and then angels surround the shepherds who were already bewildered. The words, a multitude, does not refer to 50 or to 150 or to 1,500, but to a number that is beyond accounting. Stretched from horizon to horizon to witness the most amazing event in the history of the universe. And then they began to sing. Scripture says in Job 38 that at creation, the angels sang together and, and the angels shouted with joy. Now they join voices again and, and they welcome the birth of the Savior of mankind. And one simple thing we can take away from here is this. The gospel demands our singing. I said this in a sermon recently that sometimes there is truth that is so beautiful that it is not enough for mere prose, but it demands our praise. This is the reason why we sing every single week. We can talk about the gospel and we do. But, but there are sometimes things that you can't say with mere words. You have to sing. So the gospel demands our singing. Now these shepherds are given a sign. And the sign that is given to them is that they're going to find this Christ child lying in a manger. So the shepherds uh, hear the message of the angels and they respond. And how they respond to that message alters the course of their lives and their eternities. Now notice what they could have done. This is what we do. Number one, they could have debated it. They could have, they could have heard the message. They could have sat down and, and analyzed what they should do. Could they afford to leave the sheep behind? What, what if something happened while these guys were gone? Talking and talking and, and talking some more, analyzing, analyzing. And sometimes, at least I do this, I, I talk myself out of responding in faith. Anybody else ever done that? I talk myself out of obeying God. No, he, does, he should not, surely does not mean that. They could have rejected it. They could have said, this is not for me. This message is too unbelievable, too, too crazy, too, too far-fetched. They, they, they could have dissected it. They could have said, it's too far to go to Bethlehem. This, this message is asking too much from me. And what happens is we often reject what we think demands too much from us. They could have doubted it. 
They could, have, they could have ignored this message. They could have had any number of excuses that would keep them from checking out the story they had just heard. They could have said, it can't be like we were told. In fact, why should we have been told at all? We better just forget about what just happened. But was that their response? No. Their response is belief. The shepherds believed. Their faith is revealed in what they said. The text does not say that they said this. Let us go and see if these things are true. Is that what the Bible says? No. The shepherds said this. Let us now go and see this thing that has come to pass. So they responded in pure faith. And wherever you are today, whatever your story is, let me say this to you. It is not enough to hear about Jesus. It is not enough to look into the manger and say, oh, how nice this touching story gives me some really good feelings. But the truth is that if Jesus were to be born in Bethlehem a thousand times, but he was not born in your heart, you would still be eternally lost. We can get all sentimental about Christmas and we can have these warm, fuzzy feelings about it, but if Christ is not born in our hearts, it's not enough. What they actually did, what the shepherds did, changed their lives. Verse 15 and 16. They simply took the message they heard at face value and they went to Bethlehem to see the Christ child. This is the only response to God's invitation that will bring salvation and reconciliation and right relationship with God. When the gospel message comes to someone who is not a follower of Jesus, an apprentice of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, either that person will heed the message and run to Christ, or they will reject the message and continue in their sin. But what we do with the message of the gospel determines how we will live the remainder of our lives in our eternal destiny. So the question that we must ask and answer is, what have you done with Jesus? Have you responded to him? Listen, if you, if you, are, if you would not call yourself a follower of Jesus, if you have some, some doubts, if you have some questions, if you are seeking, listen, Jesus has transformed our lives. That's why we gather every week. That's why we talk about him. So this morning, I just invite you to, 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 to respond. In, invite, ask whoever invited you and talk to them about Jesus. And I'm sure they would love to talk to you about what Jesus has done for them. So the shepherds here hear the invitation. They respond to it. And then they rush to Bethlehem. These, these outcasts walk into town, going from place to place, looking for a baby. They, they probably asked questions, and others asked them questions, and they probably got laughed at because of their crazy story. But these guys were never dissuaded from their goal. And when they found the place, 
They approach strangers holding a baby, surrounded by some animals, and told them what they saw and heard. And what they, what they believed, what they so believed, they, they believed what they heard so much that they were willing to risk unbelief and even ridicule. And their desire to go to Bethlehem, their desire to go see Jesus, to worship him, was not a response to a directive, but it was the natural result of a transformed heart. The, the obedience of a transformed heart is one that is a natural response to the awesomeness of the gospel. These, these simple, anonymous, uneducated, inexperienced shepherds are worthy of our imitation. They obey immediately without complaint, without arguing, without delay, and with enthusiasm. Verse 16 says this, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So basically what happens is this. These shepherds were a community of guys who experienced the word of God together, were transformed, and they dropped everything, and they followed together. I kind of pray that that happens to us. That as we experience the, the word of God, that it would transform us as a community, and may we follow Jesus together. Verse 17 says this then, and when they had seen it, what had happened? Hearing about Jesus is one thing, but seeing him for yourself, encountering Jesus makes all the difference in our lives. When they encountered Jesus, they were transformed. This is just what happens when you meet Jesus. When the shepherds met Jesus, they were promoted to evangelists. They went from pastors to preachers. God took the dirty, the outcast, the underprivileged, the blue collar, the uneducated, the marginalized, and they became preachers of the gospel, the very first evangelists. And as the first evangelists of the New Testament, they did not emphasize what it was like to see an angel or to hear the angelic choir, nor did they dwell on how frightened they were. Their main point of interest was in reporting, which was told to them according to the child. So on their way back to their flocks, they told everyone they met about Jesus about the baby who transformed their lives, and about the message the angel gave to them concerning him. When we meet Jesus for ourselves, we want others to meet him too. When Jesus has transformed our lives, we will talk about him. I think about, the, I think about grandmothers. I love grandmothers. Because what, what do grandmas do? Grandmas love their grandchildren, right? Listen, you meet my mom, and in seconds, she will talk about my kids. She loves them. We talk about what we love. When we meet Jesus, when he has transformed us, we want others to know him as well. There is a desire birthed within us to see our friends, our family, our acquaintances come to know and experience life in Christ. And I wonder how many people they met in verse 18, to see what the fuss was all about. 
I kind of like to think that some of the people that they uh, talked to walked into the manger and humbled themselves before the Lamb of God. We will never know who will respond to the gospel, but our duty, our mission is to display the gospel, to declare the gospel, and it is God's business who he saves. Someone told me I had to see it for myself, and that is why I am here today. Now, you got to remember who these shepherds were. Again, these guys were not very put together, very clean. They were not like the, you know, your, your, you know, your uh, 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 traditional Christian, you know, that we imagine, you know. These guys were rough around the edges, right? And, and the celebrating the Bible talks about uh, was not like this artistic praise spoken by the cultured, nor the quiet reflection of a scholar. Sometimes I, I wonder if, if um, I'm not going to go there. When, maybe I will. When the Bible says that these guys were glorifying and praising God in verse 20, it's likely that the only kind of praising and glorifying they knew was loud, was boisterous, was exciting. And I think that brought a smile to God's face. They met the Lord. He transformed them. He filled their hearts with excitement. And my prayer is that may that be true for us as well. Then to finish here, verse 20 says this, that the shepherds who saw these incredible sights, then they had to go back to the ordinary. After their come to Jesus moment high, shepherds returned to normal life. And this is true for us. It happens every week. It happens every year at Christmas. Christmas is a special celebration, but when the fun, when all the, the excitement is over and we return to our jobs, our responsibilities, our, our uh, you know, schools, what happens then? The shepherds returned so full of what had happened in their lives that they could not keep it to themselves. But they shared the gospel with everyone they came in contact with. They returned to the ordinary activities of life, but their lives were never the same. In my, my, my suspicion, what I think happens in most of our lives, myself included, is that much of our faith journey tends to be like one-hit wonders. That, that for many, upon returning into normal life after a, a, a sermon, a Sunday gathering, or even Christmas, our faith is not integrated. And my hope is that God will open our eyes to see the glories of the gospel and increase our enjoyment of Him. And as He does, my prayer is that as we go back into our sphere of influence as the outcasts that we are, may we be people who display and who declare the gospel and who engage the people around us with his life through our lives. The gospel of love and grace and forgiveness and justice and power with all the courage and without shame, even after December 25th. May we, like the shepherds, encounter Jesus 
at Christmas and throughout the year. And may that transform us. So, so, so study Jesus. Meditate upon Jesus. Uh, talk to others about Jesus. Ponder and pray. And let, let the Spirit lead you into knowing Him more. And as you encounter Him, may you be transformed. Because when that happens, everything changes. Everything changes. That's what happens. When people meet Jesus, that's what happened to the shepherds. And may that be what happens to us. Not just this Wednesday, but every single day. Let's pray. Lord, my prayer for this morning is that you would meet us. I am utterly helpless. I have no power within myself to, to uh, cause any transformation, any change to happen in people's hearts and lives. I know that. So I ask you that you would do your work. That just like you transformed this motley crew band of shepherds when they heard the message of the good news of the gospel may you do that for us like i said earlier there are people who are experiencing great fear there are people who have very difficult circumstances in their lives right now would you meet those people There are some of us who have doubts. There are some of us who are deconstructing and dissecting faith. There are some of us who, who are, are wanting to reject Jesus. Lord, may you, may you uh, encounter those people. May they see the beauty of Christ. I pray if there's anybody in this room who, who would not call themselves a follower of Jesus, may you help them to see the beauty of your Son. And may they find life eternal and life on this side of eternity as well in you. And Lord, I pray that, that, that these good news of great joy would affect what we do every single day. How we interact with our uh, families, with our spouses, with our kids. How we interact with our teachers, those of us who are in school. How we interact with our bosses and co-workers. How we interact with our neighbors. May, may the gospel transform us. And may the gospel, may, may you help us integrate faith into everyday, ordinary life. For your glory, the advancement of the gospel, and the good of other people. So Father, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for being a God who keeps his promises. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for transforming our lives. In uh, our response this morning is worship. We're going to worship today, Lord, because how could we not? I pray this in your son's good name.